Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, and you might say, well, I've been following you for the last 20 chapters in Isaiah. What gives? And I, I kind of, I don't know, I believe it was a sense from the Lord uh, every third of, Isaiah 66 chapters. So every third of the way through, uh, what I wanted to do was kind of pull something in from the New Testament to uh, give us a little bit of a change of a direction. And this morning's uh, lesson or this morning's sermon is called A Personal Invitation from God. And that is key because this is one of the most powerful scriptures. I actually have this scripture put on like business cards and I give them out. My wife and I go out to dinner to the wait staff and I've had a lot of different reactions to that actual card. Um, but, you know, Jesus' words are incredibly powerful. It is the living word. So I'm really looking forward to this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, if you've come into this place and you're carrying a burden or maybe you don't know the Lord or... For whatever reason, maybe you're seeking, you know, you're interested, you've heard about Jesus, and we're actually going into the Bible, and you're curious about that. I think you're really going to be blessed, and I don't believe in coincidences, so if that's you, boy, this is definitely a personal invitation to you personally from a personal God, and let's check that out. So jumping in, uh, Matthew 11, starting with verse 25, I'll take the block first for context, and then I'll take it apart. But it says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things, the truths of God, the miracles that Jesus did from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the context is what just recently happened is that Jesus went through several towns. He was doing miracles. He was feeding people. And the residents were so hard-hearted that they just rejected that message. And what was Jesus doing? He wasn't trying to take money from them or build a war chest. He was trying to give them salvation. But God has given us free will. And today, too, it's funny because I read this 2,000 years ago, and I, I see that today. And sometimes in my personal devotions, I'll pray. I'm like, Lord, in this area, <laughs> the Northeast, the hard-hearted Northeast, I'm like, boy, it's sometimes so hard to penetrate those, those defenses that people have, and you just want to give them salvation. You don't want anything from them. And everyone's so suspicious. But here, these were, you know, they were very prideful. They were kind of know-it-alls. And, and we run into that in society today. People that are so self-made and so accomplished that they don't have any room for God. You know, we're post-modern. We're post-Christian. And you see that. But he revealed these truths to babes. And what does he mean by that? He meant those that were simple. He meant those that were humble insofar as desire. And that's important 
Would God stop anyone from receiving salvation? The answer is no. But we stop ourselves sometimes. You know, people ask the question uh, about Pharaoh, and it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? So he couldn't receive. But what they, again, you can take the Bible out of context any day of the week and make it say what you want to say, but that's not what God meant. But you've got to look at all the times that Pharaoh hardened his heart against Moses and the, and the plagues and, and the truth of God. And he kept clinging to his false God. So God just kind of really at that point solidified him in that state. Pharaoh started that and God helped him to solidify his position. So again, it's, it's, there's an element of humbling ourselves to re- receive God's truths. Jesus said to even his own followers, his disciples, when you know, he would take a child and, and lift them up and say, you know, you, you've got to be like children in order to even see the kingdom of heaven. And again, it, it confused people. Born again, am I, uh, I go in my mother's womb a second time. Religious leaders saying to Jesus, what are you talking about? You know, disciples looking at, well, I gotta be a ch- I'm like 30-something years old. How could I be a five-year-old? But he was speaking in terms of, of, of metaphors. He was speaking in terms of where their heart was. You see what I'm saying? And, and that was a great object lesson to do that. So it's very important. Listen, we're in New Jersey. We're in the Northeast. We're, we have tough skins. But when it comes to the things of God, we have to allow him to melt some of those defenses so he can be a part of our life. That's what he desires for every single person. Verse 27, he says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So verse 27, do all roads lead to heaven? The answer is no, they don't. Well, quite frankly, logically, that would be a very unfair system. Because if, you know, listen, we live in an unfair society. You know, anywhere on the planet, because of sin, there's going to be unfairness, there's going to be disparity. But, but, you know, this is a system where, you know, if I, if I say, well, I'm going to make my own religion, I'm just going to do absolutely nothing. And then somebody else works really hard. How is that fair if all these different roads lead to heaven? There's no standard. Well, God did give us a standard, and that was through the gospel. Through Jesus Christ, he died for everyone. And people ask me, well, what about in, in Tazikistan? What about in, in New Zealand? What about, yes, the same gospel is universal. It's a clarion call for people to come and be saved through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And it's a paradox. It's, it's, it's hard to understand sometimes because it's, it's all-inclusive, everyone, but it's exclusive. Now, you have, to, you have to talk about that. What's all-inclusive in its scope, in its range? The gospel reaches to every creature, everyone in creation, every person that can come to God through Jesus Christ. But it's exclusive in its method. Its method. It's one way. It's a standard that's fair for everybody. The more you understand the gospel, the more you understand how fair of a system it is. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Verse 28, Jesus says, so he just got, he, listen, Jesus, his feelings weren't hurt. You know, he dealt with a bunch of people that were just very hard-hearted. You know, and then he's, he's preaching again. He's speaking to his followers. And he says this, another invitation. He says, to anybody who would listen, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So this is a a, a promise. This is a a positive consequence, a, a manifestation, fruit, right, of receiving 
this personal invitation to God, from God, through Jesus Christ. Come to me. God is, it's a clarion call. God is inviting all of us to come and to receive. I'll put up one scripture. Uh, first scripture is Revelation 3.20. This is interesting because this is after Jesus is resurrected. This is uh, after he ascends into heaven. He's giving out this information to different churches. And seven different churches, and you, know, you can go through this in Revelation, but one particular church to the church of Laodicea. He says this, Behold, church, <laughs> I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Don't assume that everybody who steps into a church is a true Christian, right? It's, listen, this, is, this place is open to the public. People come all the time seeking. They may know the Lord. They may not know the Lord. We, we often have a mixture on, e, on any given Sunday. But check it out. He's knocking on the door of a church. That's actually kind of sad if you think about it. I mean, there's a lot of churches that are just politically motivated. They talk about everything under the sun but the Word of God. So the Laodiceans, long time ago, he was saying, will you let me in? I mean, this, you call yourself a church as an organization. I should be on the inside, you know? And now here's the thing. He says that, again, it's free will. It doesn't mean that Jesus is not all-powerful. It just means that he's not going to trample the free will that he's given us. We're all free moral agents. But he says, he hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, you have to understand, again, we live in a very, um, you know, I need my personal space type of culture today. However, in the Lord's day, you know, it's a simple eating with another person. You wouldn't eat with that person unless you knew them, unless you could become one with them. You see what I'm saying? So when he says to come and dine with him, to come and eat with him, it's not because Jesus knocked on the door because he was traveling a long way and he was hungry. It's because he wanted that intimate fellowship with people. With people. So you see this message, no matter where you go, this personal message. You see, there's a lot of religions of the world, and I love to ask people questions. I just love talking to people. You know, asking them questions, especially if they're from a different culture than me. I'm curious. I want to know. They're from a different religion. I want to know. I'm curious. But I find that a lot of the followers of the religions of the world are doing what? They're struggling for acceptance by God. But God calls us based on His love, not our efforts. Actually, it was His efforts at the cross that saved us. So we just have to believe. We must have faith and trust that that sacrifice that he instituted can cover our sins, can give us that, that opportunity to go to heaven and be with the Lord forever. Many in Jesus' day, too, were exhausted due to a very corrupt religious system. Now, this isn't just said in the Bible. It's also said in secular sources. And people were, you know, they were thinking, gee, and a lot of folks back then were poor. So they're like, well, they didn't have much, you know, in material-wise, and they were never going to get rich. Uh, in a lot of places, they didn't even have a middle class. And, and they went to the religious system, and the religious system turned them down too. They shut the door on them. They made them work. Jesus came at the perfect time to, to stop that, to say, no, this isn't how, that's, that's a not a good representation of God. And I know growing up as a young man in my teens and my early 20s, 
you know, I, I try to follow the religion my parents came from, and I'm just like, okay, if I do this, I take a step ahead, and oh, if I do that, I'm, I'm three steps behind, and you got to get the church involved, and there's usually money involved, and I just quit. You know, I couldn't understand the board game. You know, the forward, the backwards, you know, don't pass, go, and collect $200. I just can't do that. So I just quit until somebody told me about Christ, right, and his love for me, and I don't have to be on the board game. He just loves me unconditionally, and things started to change. This morning, this is a personal invitation from a personal God through his personal word, through two individuals. So what characteristics uh, or what characterizes many that respond to his invitation? He says, well, those that, are labor, that labor and are heavy laden. So labor, I looked this up, right? You know, people say, oh, translation. So I always go to the original. What did the Greek say? You know, what did the Aramaic say? What did the Hebrew say? So labor meant to be, to fatigue, to toil, to be weary. Anybody here this morning fit any of that criteria? <laughs> well, you, I, I got a few hands. I didn't ask for hands, but that's cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely pray for you after service. Uh, but if you live long enough, you'll get here. You'll get here. Uh, there is no utopia on this planet in its fallen state. God's going to remake everything in, on, in his particular time, and it will be utopia, but we're not there yet. Right? What's the meaning of life? Pastor Paul started the uh, Ecclesiastes series on Wednesday night. Um, the opening session for that was wonderful. You know, uh, Just somebody who had everything. The richest man arguably in the whole world. Uh, comparing time for time. right? And he, towards the end of his life, he was wondering what the meaning of life was. And he had everything. And people think today in our culture, gee, if I could just get a million. You, know, you get a million and you want two million and it's 10, and well, you know, this guy's a billionaire. And I mean, just how much, how much, I, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. I was watching, uh, I actually saw that movie about the kidnapping, the Getty kidnapping, and the person who played the, the elder Getty was amazing because you just see what a, a sorry sack this guy was. He was a billionaire. He had so much money, and he just was so preoccupied with money, 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 and he had, his relationships were all deteriorating. Then he just, he died and stepped into eternity. Boy, if that's not a warning to us, I don't know what is. Who's been laboring trying to pay bills? Who's been laboring trying to win someone's affection? Sadly, a parent or a sibling, right? And they still don't accept you. But the Lord sees. He sees you. He sees your circumstance. He loves you. He accepts you. And a relationship with the Lord is different than a relationship in the world. Okay, you just can't compare the two of them. The laboring also, because you look at laboring, it's kind of like an active verb, and heavy laden, it's kind of like a, something to be maybe passive that we receive. So a lot of times we labor and we spin our wheels, like the proverbial mouse, the hamster, that the wheel just keeps spinning and could do that all day long and then stop and I haven't moved an inch, you know what I'm saying? Um, so we, we do put burdens on ourselves, right? Heavy laden. That means to be loaded up, to be overburdened, to be exhausted. Anybody here experiencing that? Right? To be heavy laden is often burdens placed on us by others, and they can be crushing. You know, how many of us have experienced uh, maybe those that we have relationships with and they have unreasonable expectations on us? And it just it takes the life out of you. It's crushing. 
You know, it's something that's difficult to, to live under, right? Well, let's look at what Jesus said of the religious system of his day. If we could turn to Matthew 23, 4, Jesus speaking about the religious leaders. There's only one verse. This is a, a wow for a chapter if you actually have the time to read it. Matthew 23, 4, Jesus said, They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Listen, I don't care if it's a Western religion or Eastern religion. I mean, you really start to get into some of these religions and get into their code books and law books, and it is, it is very burdensome. Right? And Jesus came what? to free the people from that, to free us from that. A relationship shouldn't be work, you know, like, like overburdening work. If we're overburdened, then there's something wrong there. So you look at unreasonable burdens we place on ourselves or unreasonable expectations that others have on us, and God wants us to be free. Sadly, and, and I, I say this uh, empathetically, um, when you look at the statistics on drug abuse, and suicide. Suicide, Pastor Vinny will tell you, suicide in the school system among kids. It's, it's you know, sometimes I read it, my son um, going to college, and they put out an email about someone who took his life his first semester. Somebody had done that. And I, I think to myself, I, I kind of go into these things in my mind thinking, Do, did I know him? Did I know somebody who knew her? You know, have I ever got a chance? To, I, it, it's, it's sad. To, for someone to feel so hopeless that they take their life, you know? What's going on in our culture that these types of things are happening, you know? We have the best technology, the best health care, the, the best military, the best, and, and our people are suffering. It goes to show you that wealth and might and all this kind of stuff, it isn't going to do the trick. Some people are still falling through the cracks, and, and I have to say, when I, and I try to encourage Christians, especially when you look at, God forbid, these school shootings and houses of worship, and, and you, you get to know the psyche of that person, and they, they became detached from society, and they became loners. Um, I, I, I actually like to engage with people who are loners. I, I try to make a difference. You know what I'm saying? I, every so often I get one or two that'll send me a, uh, an inbox and say, I think it's time for me to go to church again. I, I need something. I'm like, listen, you're always welcome. So, you know, what are we doing as believers? You know, what are we doing in the school systems? I mean, the kid who's, and it's sad. Listen, I went to high school. <laughs> it wasn't particularly fun. Middle school, I was tall and skinny and, you know, kind of dorky. So um, I was probably one of those people that not, I wasn't one of the cool kids. But I think about today and how knowing the Lord, like I'm on the other side and I think, I want to reach out to these people, you know, because this is a world that has no hope. And people are falling into these chasms. And, you know, not, I don't want to get political here, but right away it's, well, it's gun control. There's a lot of issues. There's, um, are, are the parents paying attention to them? You know, are, um, why, is, why is Christianity anathema sometimes to a lot of these institutions? We don't want God in the schools. I meet millennials and, and other older folks that when I start talking about the Lord, I have to start from square one. They don't know anything about God. And I'm like, I actually catch myself. 
And I say, wow, I, I just take this for granted. You know, people say this is a Christian nation. How many people in this world don't know about God at all? And they, they feel like they have no hope. And when I was growing up as a kid, my parents got divorced, and, you know, it was rough for me. It was, you know, rough area, and uh, i got to be honest with you, I thought of suicide, you know, and I was a kid, and, and I was thinking, there's no meaning to this world. I felt so hopeless. Obviously, I didn't do it. I'm still here. But um, I don't know, maybe that's why I want to reach out to others, because I want to give them that message of hope, give them a fighting chance instead of taking that precious life that God gave them. So a little bit of an aside, but uh, I think it's important to look at. What does the Lord want to provide for those responding to his invitation? Well, he says rest. What does rest mean? Well, it means repose, means tranquility, it means peace. Anybody here who could use that? <laughs> you know, I have a very, very busy life, and I found myself somewhere and next to a stream, and it was winding its way around, and it just a I actually stopped and I'm like, oh, I really like this, you know. It's like the white noise generator. It just, my, my brain was like just really enjoying the, the, the serenity of that. And, and, you know, we live in just a very stressful society. First Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast your concerns upon him, meaning the Lord, for he cares for you. Concerns can also be translated, cast your worries, cast your burdens upon the Lord for he cares for you. Right? So many in our culture want to take from you, but God wants to give to you the things that are helpful to you. 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, let's look at this interaction. And what is the character of this God that calls us? What is the character of this God? You know, I've, I've been covering a lot of Roman and Greek history and their polytheist uh, cabal um, uh, cadre of gods. And, uh, you know, they're so mean, you know what I'm saying? And you, you see that Greco-Roman culture started to really take to Christianity because this was freeing for them. You know, look at any culture. You know, look at, I know people who are in some Eastern systems and people think, oh, it's Zen, it's peace, it's... Yeah, but there's, a, there's a, a work situation. You know, there's, if you don't do it right, you, you have to go back a few steps and come back as a grasshopper. And I'm not kidding. I've talked to people. This is what they believe. And what a, oh my goodness, it's bad enough I've got to live my own life. Now I've got to live my, my life as a bug or a, a, a mouse. Or, and when am I going to get this right? You know, this could go on forever. That to me is a sentence. But, you know, and again, it depends on who you talk to. There's different, you know, strains of them. But what is the character of the true God who invites us to salvation? Well, he says he's meek and lowly, or he's gentle and he's humble. Gentle, humble. Patient, kind, humble, gentle. Hmm. Sometimes Jesus uses analogies, especially with the yoke, and we'll talk about that, with him and, you know, like livestock. And you can learn a lot from livestock. You know, we're called sheep by the Lord. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. My wife, um, so she started rescuing cats. She graduated to dogs. Now we're on horses. So uh, she has this one Amish workhorse, sadly, who was abused. And right away, horses are very smart. They're very perceptive. 
and you can actually feed off of their mood and their demeanor, and they're used for therapy. But I remember going up, you know, the horse loved her, so I'm thinking, well, the horse is going to love me. So I go up to the horse, and she ran away from me. Seriously, if I, if I raise my hand, forget about it. We came to the conclusion that she was probably abused by a man, by a, a man, and she, and she knows the difference between a man and a woman. And I had to take so much time to get her not to at least run away from me when I approached her. I had to be slow in my movements. I had to be patient. I had to be kind. And now she loves me. I come up to her, and they have such big eyes and eye sockets, and she wants me to pet her eyeballs, you know, <laughs> you know the eyelids. That's, she, and my wife calls her the queen. You know, now she's treated like a queen. But <laughs> I come up, she'll lower her head. She'll come up to me, lower her head, and I, I pet her eyes. But people can be like that, too. We can be, because of life, we can be like abused animals. You know, one word I really hate when I hear people use is the word throwaway. To express that some lives are just not important as others. Well, that's not how the Lord feels. He is this gentle God, this loving God. And He knows, He knows that we can be hard, that we can be calloused, that we can be guarded, that we can be cynical. But he wants us to know that we can trust him. Isn't this a great scripture? It's really powerful. He loves us. He died for our sins. And even today, well, well what do you mean, Pastor? Um, it's that simple? You know, he's that good. He doesn't want, you know. It, it's an amazing thing. He doesn't judge us. You know, sometimes we think we trust people in relationships and we tell them something personal and they, they gossip about us. We feel betrayed. He doesn't do that. He doesn't laugh at us. You know, when I go out and pray, if I recorded myself, I'd probably laugh at myself. <laughs> and he's, he's just patient with me. He listens to me. He always has time for us. How do you not, you know, this is amazing. The God who created everything took the form of a person of his creation to mingle with us, to show us the way, but to do it in a gentle way. Right? Listen, some of us have, have, have had, had abusive parents, abusive spouses, and it, it is hard. It is a little bit of a learning curve. But I think Jesus went way out of his way to teach us that we can trust him. What is a yoke? What is a yoke? I don't mean egg yolk. I mean... <laughs> Y-O-K-E. What is a yoke? It's okay. The last time I tried to do this, I hit myself in the head. So um, I don't know I'd be very good with farming. So this is a yoke. It's actually quite heavy. It's solid wood and it has two U's and it has an attachment. Um, and basically it would go over the animal on one side and then the, the U would come up and lock and you'd have a companion animal. And uh, it would be really tough if one animal was stronger than the other because there would be a chafing that would happen. But the yoke was designed for the farmer to be able to get two things out of the animal. Number, number one, work. And number two, direction. Work and direction. And what's interesting is when Jesus speaks about a yoke, he says to basically a, an agrarian culture who understood this, take my yoke. It's easy. What does that mean? <laughs> Is it made out of styrofoam? But the world 
looks to get work out of us. People sometimes look to get work out of us. But when we become believers, when we work for the Lord, it's a blessing. We can feed them, we can heal them, we can minister to them. So the work is very different. And what about the direction? Without this, if an animal was just out in the field, the animal might zigzag all over the place. The animal's got no purpose. He's an animal. <laughs> he might go to where he can relieve himself or go to somewhere else where he can eat. But when we work for the Lord, the Lord gives us direction. He gives us guidance. He shows us the way. And when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, easy can also mean well-fitting or tailor-made. In other words, God's direction for our life is always the best. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. I talked about the world. I talked about the other people. Sometimes we can be our own problems. And I know for me, I was like that animal. I was zigzagging all over the place until God got a hold of me. Well, then I'm just going to try this. Well, maybe this is going to make me happy. Well, maybe this is going to make me successful. So finally, I just took the Lord's yoke and I realized that he's right. It is well-fitting. It is like it was made for me. Certainly better. He's better of a taskmaster than I am or the world is. He says, my yoke is light. Unlike the world's burdens or the burdens we put on ourselves, the Lord's burdens, if you could even call that, are very light. The world sometimes will seek to crush us or to use us, but the Lord only wants to give to us. He wants to make us better. And what do we end up with? We end up with rest for our souls. Rest for our souls. Now, there's a difference in words between, in the Bible, the word uh, panuma, which is the Greek word for spirit, and sometimes it can be translated soul. There's another word, suke, where in the English we get the word psyche, psychology, the study of the mind. What the Lord wants us to know is, and sometimes we, we don't see this, but he also wants to minister to our emotional health. You know, a lot of times in Christianity we say, well, we shouldn't trust our feelings. Feelings can be capricious, they can, and that's true. But like it or not, sometimes we just break down. Sometimes we have a bad day. And it's okay. The Lord understands. And he wants to minister to us. I think emotional health and psychology, sadly, has been given to the secularists. So sometimes it's, it's uh, taboo in a church. But maybe that's our fault as Christians, as, as an institution. Because the study of emotions, of behaviors, th these are, this is a reality. We've given them to Jung and to Freud and to all those guys when we should say, well, how do we function properly? What happens when we fall down? How do we minister to each other? And I've had people come up to me and look at me and go, I'm, I'm you know, struggling with a little anxiety. And they're like waiting for my response. I'm like, well, let me pray for you and let's talk. Well, you're okay with that? Yeah, it's how you feel. It's what you're going through. I, I get it. Right? So I think sometimes in the church, we have to be careful to, you know, you come in here and put on a good face and, and behave a certain way. That's really, listen, we, we have our ups and downs in life. You know, God wants to minister to the storms in your life. So I think when you put it all together, you get the big picture. You may have come in here this morning with a burden. You might have suffered abuse at some point. You might feel 
unloved. You might, are, you might be suffering with loneliness or shame or addictions or money problems or maybe you feel like you're an outcast. Maybe you feel like you're an outcast in your own family structure. Maybe you're haunted by your past. I, maybe you think that when you came in here you thought, I hope nobody ever finds out about my situation. What I'm doing right now, they'd kick me out. Do we come to God when we're perfect? Of course not. The Lord calls broken people. And when we think we're so great and we're so perfect, sometimes we, we have a hard time accepting his love and his grace because we're still stuck in the I can do it on my own thing. Some of you might have come in here this morning and you're at your end of your rope. I want to encourage you. We have a personal God with a personal invitation to you personally, whoever came in here this morning, to have a personal relationship with him and to enjoy a spiritual intimacy. You and your creator reunited based on trust as he is the one who created you. I'll leave you with this. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we're going to segue into our skit. <sighs> you know, you, you work for decades, you save money, get to a point in your life where maybe you can enjoy your money, maybe you can reflect on your life, then you think, well, maybe I didn't make enough money. Maybe all the people that I thought were going to be loyal to me and were going to be around my whole life, some of them turned on me. And now as I get older, I'm, I'm just wondering, what is the meaning of life? Oh. I love you. I created you. I know your innermost thoughts, your innermost struggles. What's that in the back? Oh, this? <laughs> well, I've been carrying it for decades. Um, I really don't know stuff I've accumulated over the years. I, I really don't know what's in it, but I'll, I'll take a look. I'm curious to know myself, things I forgot. Let's see, what's in here? Ugh, abandonment. That hurts. Abuse. Addiction. Anger. Oh, can't deal with that. Discouragement. Oh, there's one before that. Control. Discouragement. Envy. Thought I got rid of that one. Exhaustion. Wow. I don't know how many of these were in here. Fear. Fear. Hurt. Loneliness. Pride, regret, 
all the I should haves in life. Rejection, that stings. It's led to other things in my life. Shame. Things I don't even want to talk about with anybody. Unforgiveness. Worry. That's the very reason I came down. To take all of that from you. That's why I went to the cross. And I shed my blood for you and for all people. Why don't you try on this? And let me take that from you. You know, I, I have some trust issues and uh, I, I don't even know you and kind of had this my whole life. Uh, I'm kind of used to it, you know. I, that's going to be hard to let some of these things go, although they are torturing me. But, um, all right, at your word, I'll... Okay, I'll try it. It's remarkably light. It, it seems well-fitting. It seems like I, I should have put this on a long time ago. I wonder what's in here. I wonder what's in here. Acceptance. A clean slate. Faith, freedom, I don't remember what it was like to be free, hope, joy, love, patience, I don't have any of that, peace, Rest. Trust. Victory. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. At this time, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, these words have been bringing people to God for thousands of years. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road, 
in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.